0: I put out a joke tweet about how you need $20 million to retire. And a non-trivial amount of people responded to that. And they go, yeah, I agree with you. And that's just completely insane. Isn't it bananas? I think a little bit of crypto is escapism to people. It's, this is is my lottery ticket to financial success. But that
1: is a very dangerous mindset because you're going to do risky things to get to that number that you think you really need. The lesson there is if you, if you, target a certain p l and trade to make a certain amount of money you're gonna lose trade what the market gives you so you have to take what the market gives you keep your eye on the ball and not be so afraid of losses that that's what you focus on so you, it's that really it really involves a lot of discipline
0: all right welcome back to another episode of thousand X we are filming this at the top of the market at 42k it is the top for many reasons but one of them is my engagement on my tweets this week it's just been ridiculous jonah i tweeted like <laughs> most of my tweets are kind of tongue in cheek i mean I, I really hope nobody takes them as gospel or, or or very very seriously i kind of just try to have fun on twitter you know my real thoughts are here every now and then i'll post real thoughts to twitter but sometimes i just like watching what people do with you know statements and so i tweeted out i mean like it's true but like not you know it's true but i tweeted out uh dog coin like animal coins right now like dog with hat cat with hat <laughs> they're like, <laughs> they're like oh, i wish uh I, I i wish i wish my mom could see me now
1: i mean but, but, can, I, I,
0: ironically as uh, she can uh I, I'll send her the link, but I, I tweeted out that it's like being in a casino where the slot machine is 55% to win. You just abuse that button until it stops working uh, or until you get kicked out of the casino. I tweeted that basically at what I thought would be the dog top.
1: <laughs> you know, you, you know what's crazy about this market? Like, everybody's a fucking genius now. Everybody knew that Solana was going to rip to. The 70s, everybody knew that dog Wi Fi hat dot Sonic the Hedgehog was going to fucking make them rich. Right. And when, when so I did, look at can, this, can you, can you like put some respect on the name? Sorry. Dog
0: with hat. Dog with hat. No, with. Dog, whiff hat. dog no with hat. There's no dog with hat. It, it, it's with a hat. You know, yeah. You don't, you don't, have, a hat, don't it, have a hat. I don't have a hat. Actually, I do have a hat i nice. got a hat i guess a color watching on spotify can't see this but cover uh, that's a good I hat me. i got yeah it's a it's a great hat i got it um there's this restaurant at the top of a mountain in puerto rico called aventura four x four you can only get there if you have a four x four the name speaks for itself do you have a four x four is the is the million dollar question i of course i have a four x four are you kidding I, a I, drive, I drive i drive a ford bronco Sasquatch, wild uh, track package. Why
1: would why would I drive anything differently? I mean, that thing is a beast, comes with 32-inch stock tires. Avi, it's starting. I don't want it to feel frothy. I want this to be a nice, sustainable rally that gets us all rich for another 4X or 5X or but man, it is this is this is frothy to me. There's, like there's I, no way this continues, Jonah. I
0: mean, there's no way. Uh, this no, is some call, I'm, I'm calling here. I'm calling it now. You know. <laughs> One of the top signals is when you're sitting here with your buddies and you're giggling about the names of the coins that have just hundred xed in a week. Not 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 two x, not five x, not ten x, not fifty
1: x. You're giggling at the name of a coin that is hundred x in a week. Theres a thousand x. Uh, I think it was the dog with hat one. That one thousand xed. Oh, did it? Th- I mean, I know like it had to have thousand x because it came out small, but.
0: I think it. did did, how long did it take thousand X? I thought it's been around for like 10 days
1: or something like that. I yeah. I mean, that. at this point, you know, if you're, if you're trying to pay attention to crypto crypto and you have been asleep or just uninterested during the whole bear cycle, and now you're kind of waking up and getting back in and you're looking at crypto Twitter and you're like, Oh wow, Jupiter's going to do an airdrop. Oh wow. I should be, you know, buying a saga phone to try and get some, some airdrop tokens oh wow all these people who claim to be rich are uh, talking about all this airdrop money that just landed in their account that they're not liquidating like I think in the absence of an actual use case this just feels like froth to me and like a, a, sorry not an actual use case a new use case something that some some tech unlock that's occurred in, in crypt, crypto and to me it's it's getting frothy I'm nervous Here, here's my
0: bare argument Jonah this is this is my this is my you know as, as as they say dumb bear argument. Well, what drove this rally? It was speculation on the ETF. All right, so now I'm pulling up data on the CME, and what you can see is that from on October 11th there was 1.89 billion in open interest on the CME. We actually had a peak of open interest on December 7th. We got to 5.11, and now we're down to 4.71. We've it hit a plateau of tradfi front running the ETF. So I think the people that are ready to buy on the news are basically just the algo traders and the actual inflows. But you have at least 3 billion just looking at CME. I don't you let's discount it by half, let's say 1.5 billion is front running flows all from tradfi that are looking to exit on the launch of an ETF. Okay, so now you have 1.5 billion of selling. That's probably going to happen in the course of a week, if not sooner. And then you have a bunch of people outside that that are looking at this and going, "Well, I'm going to sell once they start selling." Um, and you're actually already seeing it. I mean, the open interest is down 400 million on the CME over the last over the last 10 days. You have a ridiculous amount of froth in the market. You know, Bitcoin has gone has gone sideways for the first time, consolidating for the first time since 25k, really. Um, yeah, and you have.
1: You know, funding rates are not crazy elevated, but they're elevated. Those CME futures you're talking about, like you can clip 15 to 20 percent annualized percentage yield, uh, no problem in this market. It's pretty crazy to me. That just shows you that there's there's not enough crypto native shops out there to do spot versus futures. I think you you just you have to start getting
0: on the sidelines. Now, if you're not on the sidelines, you're gonna be in you're gonna be in some. I, I think you could be in, in for some pain. I think a very easy way to get back in
1: is just to start buying above forty four. If if you're wrong, I, I'm not doing anything right now. I'm just holding on to my core longs. I did not participate in a lot of this. Cra- like I almost, I almost clicked on bonk. I really liked bonk. I didn't though. And if if I had, and if I were holding a bunch of shit dog coins or frog coins or Bitcoin ordinals uh, that are like BRC versions of ERC twenty tokens, like I would be selling those, but I, I'm not that kind of trader. I think I think it's I think it's tough to buy those with any with any real size. Anyway, you can make 100k,
0: you can make a mil. you can't put five mil into these things. Turn it into fifty. Um, I guess bonk. You can't. You kind of could, but anyway, that's beside that's beside the point.
1: Um, <laughs> it's not. But though. sadly,
0: <laughs> uh, it's it's not, and I, and I didn't I didn't do it. But I mean, now now is. There, there are people out there that have very sophisticated models for tracking these meme coins. Okay, you have to understand them. Um, I'm only, you know, I, I'm, I'm not kidding. Uh, there, there, there are people that scan the mempool for for new for new contracts, see if liquidity is locked uh, in whatever in whatever pools pools are published, compare against a database of all of the, you know, contracts that they that they know to be rugs, compare against a bunch of phrases that they know to be. The thing that will be rugs and then immediately, sl- immediately snipe if it if it looks good. Um, you know, you can ingest Reddit data. You can ingest Twitter data to, to basically track the activity of these coins. There's are, so- there are sophisticated operations out there that are pumping these things. Um, and then every now and then, you get a coin that breaks over into the mainstream, like tech bros. Silicon Valley bros, for some reason, um, they really like dog with hat. Like I saw a few people tweeting about it. They're like, this is really funny. Which I guess, you know, makes sense. Their sense of humor isn't great. So (laughs) (laughs) why is it always a
1: dog? Can you, uh, you're a crypto native. Why? No, 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 no. They're, 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 they're they're cats now too. I think, you know, it's cat, cat. Yeah, but the the big ones are always dogs. Listen, Avi, like, here's, what's amazing to me about crypto. When I was professionally, you know, trading crypto every day, you know, I would interview a lot of candidates for crypto jobs, uh, crypto trading jobs and you talk to these people some of them are absolutely brilliant and they've been doing some pretty advanced sort of systematic trading type research from their dorm rooms or you know just wherever the heck they were hiding out you know they'd have a day job and then they'd spend all night doing the sort of like mempool scanning type systematic analysis of meme coins that you talked about uh back in the you know two years ago it was like people just building MEV bots and side projects that were like generating sustainable income for these kids. I I was blown away when I was going into crypto from commodities. I'm like, this market is frontier. Everybody's going to be absolutely idiotic. Like there's not going to be much systematic stuff going on. And in reality, like when I got there, I was blown away by the sophistication of some of these young tech nerds who are building, you know, Systematic and quantitative strategies to trade crypto. It was actually competitive. And meanwhile, you look at the institutional side of things in assets like commodities or, frankly, CME futures in Bitcoin. You know, you can clip an easy fifteen to twenty percent just buying spot versus selling futures. And you know, coming back to the commodities market right now, what I'm realizing is like there's some pretty low hanging fruit here because no, none of those kids care about jet fuel or or gasoline right they all want to trade frog coins so i think you know just to wrap up this thought what i'm realizing is like uh this you know two things thing number one if in crypto if you're gonna day trade you've got to be sophisticated it's not a market for idiots anymore and hasn't been for a long time and thing number two uh if this world of futurized you know, institutional-grade products like CME Bitcoin futures and literally anything related to commodities has still has so much low-hanging fruit. I think what it tells you is that the walled garden of the CME and many of these other big exchanges just isn't inclusive enough. Um, and maybe that that speaks to crypto's mission of sort of democratizing finance. I, I think it's kind of unfair that you know only a few people can touch some of these commodities and touch Bitcoin futures. Otherwise, there wouldn't be this yawning basis arbitrage. It's literally arbitrage; it's risk free. Yeah, I mean, basically, anybody that wants anybody that wants to touch it,
0: or anybody that can touch it right now, they're trading other things. They're 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 in other places. Which I think that what that tells you is just how much froth, how, you know, how much perceived froth there is, and how much actual froth there is. Because what what you have to do is as, as a participant, you have to you know where where should I put my cap? you know what what is what is the best use for my capital and when you have something like a basis trade at 20 25 and there are a lot of people voting with their feet and they're saying not good enough that nah. sorry okay. i'm not i'm not going to close it i'm not bringing that to 20 that tells you the mindset that You're bringing it to zero just and by it tells waiting. you it tells you it tells you how allocated people are uh and it, yeah it, it's just a. it's it's a very it's a it's, it's a very disconcerting thing i mean um you know my my view bitcoin always tends to top by the way in december or january except for this january this january it just ripped e- yes this january but that was you know after a right like after after a really bad year i'm saying you know if if, if you rally into the end of the year um I, I do think that over the next two weeks people are going to take some time off liquidity is going to dry up uh Everybody that's allocated for the ETF is probably already allocated for the ETF at this point. Uh, If the ETF gets approved before January, I don't think people are making new allocations to the ETF until after January. That makes me think that BlackRock probably wants this thing to go live in January anyway. Um, You know, Fidelity probably wants this thing to go live. So my my view here is is pullback, reset, wash people out, and then you start to gig a rally. Because I've been thinking about this a lot recently. What does a post-ETF world look like? It's very rare that you get the opportunity to launch an ETF like this with such a large consumer base. It's so rare. And so there are a lot of people that are fighting for it. You have Fidelity fighting for it. BlackRock's fighting for it. Vanguard, right? And so what you probably are going to get, or you're going to get a lot of resources dedicated to winning the first month to winning the first two months. Because what's well known is that it's an 80-20 rule with ETFs, right? Even more, really. You know, the biggest ETF will generally have, you know, 80, 90% of the market shares as liquidity begets liquidity. And so winning quickly is so important to everybody on this product because it's going to be a money driver for them. They're probably going to market very hard in the beginning. They're going to be very, very, because if they don't, then they run the risk of losing and they run the risk of their product just never taking off. So my view is that you're just cautious until you get a sell-off, and then whatever sell-off you get, Bitcoin's at 37k, maybe 38. You start chipping in at 40, you know, like 39. You get to 35. Any, you know, every every step down, you just want to be loading the boat on your cycle bags, and then post ETF, we should we should run pretty hard because I think you know maybe maybe we pop it into the ETF and then come off, but. I think inflows are actually gonna come in. Um, you know, I'm gonna put my reputation on the line, risk it all <laughs> and say and say that you know there they're they're
1: gonna be some pretty substantial inflows, uh, more more than more than we expect. I just think that um I think when we talk about those inflows, you know. I hope that people out there go and listen to the previous episode of the 1,000X podcast. How much crypto should you own? I mean, I saw something uh, recently in the news saying that 50 million Americans own own crypto. Um, yeah, that's a pretty pathetic percentage of Americans owning crypto. I think a lot of people are going to go look at what 2023 was like in markets. And they're going to say, wow, um, you know, the S&P did well. Uh, but Bitcoin, wow, what is this, you know, best performing asset on the board by an order of magnitude? Maybe I should have one or two percent of my portfolio in that, just in case. Oh, and there's this super easy way to do it. And I, I see a BlackRock commercial three times every football game, like, you know, maybe maybe I should buy some. So ultimately, I think you're right. I think I think the ETF will, you know, we've been saying this on this podcast for a long time. It's gonna debottleneck a lot of uh a lot of interest in Bitcoin that can finally flow in. I don't think there's enough capital sloshing around in, in the little crypto space right now to to front run that. So I do think it'll cause a run. I just, I'm just worried about the volatility of all this because, you know, there is, other than this ETF, there is nothing, society is not using crypto in new ways. I think it will soon, maybe even next year, but until that happens, like we're not like it, it kind it kind of is. I mean, Solana is really, really picking up on the, on the, uh, it's picking up on a narrative, right? Like it's not picking up on you know a bunch of merchants all over the country adopting it for pay. I think I
0: think that I think that comes with time. Um, I also know that uh, you know what w- w- you're probably going to see in tw- in the beginning of uh, 2024 is a, a, lo- a lot of new applications are very likely to come out. Um, just because I know Gold- Gold- Goldman's talked about uh, you know launching. We've talked about this on previous podcasts, but there are a lot of people that are talking about launching tokenized products. Right now, and I think that's that's going to be a driver. They're probably going to use uh, public infrastructure. They're probably not going to use their own internal infrastructure for now, or at least a for for public infrastructure. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think I think I think that's coming. And also, just the user experience of Solana has gotten so much better. Swapping tokens, navigating, you know, storing storing your wealth. It's 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 coming. It's coming. And and I think because it's actually quite nice and easy to use. Mer, you know, merchant acceptance is is also is also probably likely coming soon. Do you have a Saga phone, Avi?
1: I don't. I don't. Did you did you did you pick one up? No, man. I'm married. I don't need to impress anybody with this crypto shit. I'm I'm good. <laughs> Got an iPhone, but like an iPhone Mini, actually. Check it out. It's tiny. It's really well, light. The Mini. Yeah. It's um nuts. But okay. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, at this point, like, I I guess I'm kind of wondering, like. Do we need a new use case spreading its tentacles into traditional worlds in order to sustain a crypto rally? No. No. I mean, I mean all, all we need for Bitcoin. What
0: like over here? Let me let me let me pose a question to you. Let's say in mid-2025, federal funds rate is one. Yeah. Bitcoin
1: up or down. Look, you don't need to pitch me on being bullish Bitcoin. I'm I'm literally so bullish bitcoin i can't see straight however watching what eth did during the course of this huge rally and how fucking spectacularly it underperformed has made me wonder like hey could we end up in a world where bitcoin just gas is higher because it has a true use case and a lot of these other things it's like yeah that's that's a fair point on ethereum i think
0: ethereum is really in a really tough spot right now um I think that it will get a rally just out of, because I think the narrative again will be the ETH ETF that comes out and that will happen. And you basically probably want to buy ETH BTC for a month or two months post that. But I think they're in just such a bad position because all these meme coins popping off on Solana have made people realize, they have made people go to other chains and it's made people realize just how much better, the user experiences on basically every other chain that exists, including all the L2s on, on Ethereum. And so I just think the, the propensity to launch products, the types of people that are going to go over and build on Ethereum, it's just, I, the, the, I think the the world is a lot less ideological. on
1: it, you know The crypto world is just so much less ideological. I think it's a very crypto native take. I mean, I, I think going back to the 80-20 rule you mentioned earlier, um, I'm not saying you're wrong I'm just saying like okay so if if the big if the etfs that garner most of the attention in the beginning wind up dominating why wouldn't it be that the chains that have garnered most of the attention in the beginning of crypto gain long-term adoption over the long run like yeah sure using Solana is great I'm sure a lot of I'm sure Solana will be thriving for years but like Ethereum might, too. The NFT ecosystem is built entirely on top of Ethereum base, the L2. You know, like there's tons of money getting pumped into that. That's on top of Ethereum. Ethereum's like the security layer for information, decentralized information, just because it's getting left behind right now by one particular narrative, which is meme coins and degeneracy on Solana. Like, just because that's going on right now doesn't necessarily mean that it's like the new state of crypto, you know? I, I, I just think that
0: ar- that argument's tough when you're just not seeing a ton of innovation happening on ETH on ETH right now, and that fund- if, if that's true, you're maybe you're right. I just thought you are Fun- fundamentally they've f- fundamentally introducing L2s weakens the value proposition for Ethereum um, because uh, unless unless they really, really 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 explode in the short term, the you know without l2s eth would have seen a much higher burn uh, with with l2s it's just going to see it's just going to see a lower burn and so basically what ends up happening is that it's a long path for transaction counts and user activity to catch up with throughput 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 has been jumping and then it's like a slow grind for transactions to catch up it's not an instant fill and so because it's not an instant fill what you do is you just drive fees lower and lower and lower and lower and lower um, and, and a big part of the Ethereum narrative is people go and they watch the burn. And so that has just been taken out
1: of. So then why should Solana rally? Solana fees are tiny. I think because Solana is deeply under allocated relative to Ethereum. Uh, okay. Um, you're making me want to sell ETH BTC. You're making me want to rotate a lot of my ETH into just Bitcoin. I mean, looking. Yeah, at ETH I ETH mean, BTC, look. Are, dude, I'd, I'd short this thing. The lows are 0.02. And that was the local lows. And that was like the the depths of COVID. Um, and then prior to that, prior to the sort of like 2017 cycle, it was, it was 0.02. And then, yeah, then it that just, man. If I'm looking at ETH right now,
0: what I see is I see a very easy structured short where you can short here, stop out above 0.056. And you're probably looking for... Uh, 0.04 to 0.045 and that that seems like that seems like a really good trade it's trending lower too it's smooth yeah it's trending lower it's a time-based trade uh I would close it on the Bitcoin etf announcement um you know so I mean I think I think it's a i think it's a good it's, it's a reasonably it's a reasonably good trade I mean there's just not much interest right now in ethereum and I think it's going to be very hard to get that interest back until people are willing to you know, look look at the look at the next look at the next catalyst, and people
1: start filing for, you know, the the, the ETF more more seriously. Here's a contrarian scenario for, scenario for you. Let's say that ETH is just like chopping around, going sideways, or doing a litecoin, like becoming something forgotten, while Bitcoin is just ripping. Will anyone care if an ETF launches? Will they want to buy into it? Like an, an ETF isn't necessarily a bullish catalyst. It's it's a bullish catalyst for something that people want but can't easily get.
0: I think it's a short. I think it's a short-term bullish catalyst. Okay.
1: You know I, the I, futures I, ETF was a catastrophe for what it's worth. I think the futures ETF is just a bad product, right? Yeah, we agree.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's 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 hard. It's hard to it's hard to extrapolate from that. I mean, I think the likelihood that the the the, like, the likelihood that eth you know radically under, underperforms btc over the next year is pretty substantial in my mind uh at this point i think you could you could probably see uh you know my my best guess is that it bottoms around the etf announcement you see a 30 to 40% rally against bitcoin and then and then it starts to peter out if we haven't seen increased activity on ETH. The, the, re, okay, realistically, the meme coin media and the NFT media on Solana is very different than what happened in 2021, where it was just all copycats kind of moving over from ETH, and then there would be the rotation play, and then Solana would pump, and AVAX would pump, and all these other things would pump. Uh, AVAX, hasn't, AVAX is pumped, but it hasn't seen the same organic trading community and, and attention that Solana has seen. Over the last, even though AVAX has actually outperformed Solana, um, it just hasn't seen that organic community. And so it's not about the price action. It's about that organic community. That kind of worries me because that was always eat smoke, is they had such a strong community behind it. The memes would launch. The NFTs would launch. They would attract, you know, uh, when new retail would come in, they were flipping. they were flipping stuff on Uniswap. Now they're on Radium. So there's just been this huge cultural shift away and i think that moat is you know that that couldn't be understated for how important it was for ethereum and so now i look at eth and i go man they've kind of just got the etf what you could see happen because it always feels darkest you know before dawn is the etf recatalyzes everything and by the time eth is is up 30 percent we're like oh why did we ever hate eth i mean you know everybody's come back nobody's trading anywhere else again meme coins are popping off because eth is popping off um, right. And so that is, you know, that's a reasonable potential outcome, but it, you know, the, the, it has been degraded. AVAX is a weird one. I, 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 I do think that there's been a lack of meme, meme like a uh, meme coinery and there's been a lack of uh, interesting projects on AVAX. I think it just kind of pumped because
1: people miss Solana. I hate Avax. I always have. I I don't I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. It's kind of like the third best solution for literally any of crypto's use cases. At best or at worst, it's just useless. And and here's what I I don't understand about Avax. Um, they went all in on gaming. Yeah. Um, what what the fuck is going on with that? Like yeah, it it feels like all the big. Games that are are gonna drop in crypto over the course of the next couple of years are gonna happen on other chains. Like I, I hear a lot about l twos. I've heard about a couple on Solana. Well, where's this? Like they they made this big bet. It, where's the payoff at this point? Yeah, it it's, even look it's, a, like it's
0: it. a very 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 good question. I think the answer is that, um, yeah they 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 definitely they definitely made a bet there. I think that they're pivoting a bit. They're trying to be the RWA chain now. As far as I can see it course they are as as, as everything else you know uh, like obvi- obviously they're tr- they're trying to do that um you know I, I i like the avax team i think that they're you know i think that they're good i think that they're competent i think that it's just a very crowded area you know i think that the l the l1 space is just very it's just very 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 crowded and the reality is there's just not that many product developers there's just not my that that many project developers um so you know I view I view Avax, Matic, you know all these all these other all these other L1s outside outside Solana Solana and ETH is they're going to be good trades at some point. You can always trade them, right? Just look for, look for when they're look for when they're under allocated, look for when they're shorted, look for what's correlated uh, to the main, to the main runner, look for where transaction counts are, are trending
1: up. But yeah, long term I'm just not super uh,
0: you know super super instructive on them.
1: Me neither. I mean, I'm trying to think long-term as well. Like, I, I agree, you might get some volatility. If you're paying close attention, you could probably clip a few nice trades out of it. But I'm kind of, you know, in terms of long, long-term, like two to five years, I'm pretty much ready to give up on on AVAX, on NEAR. And, you know, I, I wouldn't give up on Matic. To me, that's more of an L2. But, like, at this point, I think, I think you know, the big alt L1s are 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 probably not that necessary anymore. You have the monolithic solution which is Solana. You have the uh slightly more decentralized bit clunkier but possibly more secure solution called Eth and you know I think Eth will be the RWA chain frankly. Like uh, why would Avax be the RWA chain? Doesn't make any sense. One reason specifically
0: is for RWAs they just need they need a lot more handholding. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you want a lot more security too lot of security handholding so if you if you can introduce subnets on avax then it's, it's it'll be easier to onboard people from from an rwa perspective if you give them full control over that near is kind of a funny one they've they've sort of rebranded to ai uh and they've been you know they've been they've been they've been pumping off the pumping off that narrative because everybody everybody loves crypto xai yeah it's uh it's it's the new 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 big thing um I don't know, Jonah, I'm curious, you know, as a, as, as somebody that used to run trading over at Cumberland, like what trading strategies, cause you, you also, you know, you're, you a programmer, you're a developer, like what, what trading strategies would you be thinking about developing right now? Like what, you know, is, is, is there, is there anything that you saw that worked last bull market or, you know, work, work, work when things are ripping?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh basically i would try to bucket things into similar categories bucket tokens into similar categories and then just play the catch up so you know you could you could just basically take all of the l ones um and when a certain percentage of the market cap of your your basket has you know rallied a certain amount then you can just place long bets on on the rest of it you know that's that might have worked in uh you know, AVAX and near doing these huge rallies on basically nothing Uh, just following up on Solana, you know, the alt L one category, you know, compound Ave, those two, those two tend to trade in step with each other over the long run, but not in the short run. So, you know, we've talked about these sorts of strategies on the podcast before where you just play for mean reversion in the pair Um, in terms of like broader trading strategies uh, basis. Like you know, obviously, if you're if you're retail and you're sitting at home, maybe you can't even touch futures. But even if you can, uh, it's hard to really scale that trade. But at the institutional level, you know, I don't know why there aren't 150 new companies coming in buying spot and selling futures with institutional capital. Can you lever up that trade easily? Yeah, yeah, you can. Um, and it's it's just arbitrage. Uh, it's a little bit harder when basis is negative because then you have to borrow coin to short, but right now it's literally like you, you buy the coin, you sell the future and selling the future, you know, they, they make it easy for you. That's, that's what the CME is there for. So, you know, there's that, that's not a very systematic trade, although there are, you know, there's some math and, and more in, involved thinking and when and where to scale into it other than just like, Oh, the basis is high. I'm going to sell like, you know, you, you. You leg into it with uh, with some discipline and some models and some systematic rigor. What are, what are, what are what are the models? Like what are you looking for? You're looking at historical intraday ranges, intraweek ranges, intramonth ranges, and then you're you're sort of trying to say like, hey, if if we're at one of these, you know, define define your extreme, you know, this this is where we've pre pre Decided to add a certain amount of uh, certain amount of dry powder and deploy it into basis and like, you know, obviously I'm not allowed to disclose anything about DRW's trading strategies, but this is just how anyone should think about a risk free cash and carry trade. You know, you you don't want to blow your entire wad when basis is widened out from zero percent to one percent, so you kind of want to think about hey, how wide how wide a range is this thing traded in in the past and. Maybe let me set some rules for myself. Maybe even backtest test them. Um, the back test is going to look great, obviously, because it's risk free arbitrage. Yeah. So, um, you know, you know that that's a, a trade that I'm surprised more institutions aren't doing right now. You know,
0: uh, w- one thing I always think about when I'm when I'm running these types of trades is when you when you go on the short leg on CME or let's say your short leg on Binance or OKX or or, or anywhere else where you're trading a future. You're always going to be constrained by the fact that you, you're always going to be constrained by the fact that you might get blown out on the leg that you have leverage, with, right? So for example, you know, I have, let's say I have, uh, I have $10 of BTC. I post $5 of collateral to go short that, short that, short that BTC, or I use that BTC as collateral and I'm, you know, short, short against it. You can't, you sometimes can do that depending on the exchange. Sometimes you can't. You you have to manage that leverage really effectively, but if you uh, if you have a no liquidation account like what uh, Alameda had, in theory you can just print infinite money, <laughs> right? Because like because because there, there there are coins out there that I mean there are coins out there that would have.
1: They literally 300%. did print infinite money. They printed FTT uh, yards know. and yards of it. <laughs> but like, I
0: would like losing money is should be a completely foreign. Con- if if you have a no liquidation account in crypto, losing money should be a foreign concept to you because all you do is you just buy the underlying scam asset. Like, you know, you short the future against it, and sometimes you see blowouts of a hundred percent,
1: right? And then it'll come in, and you'll make hundred percent a month. You're like, wow, that was. Simple and easy. Wow. Collected some nice funding there. Yeah. I mean, a no liquidation futures account. It's amazing, Avi, just how much of trading boils down to having a lot of VAR and not getting stopped out. Like some of the air quotes, best traders I've ever met in my entire career. And these are guys with hundreds of millions of dollars in their in their bank accounts, or or in a couple of cases, billions. Like, They're not really doing anything that much more complicated than hanging on while everyone else can't. Right. And and how do they get there? You know, maybe some political savvy. Maybe they were actually doing something smart in the beginning of the career, their careers and their investors backed them uh, with, you know, no stop out type type funding. Or maybe it's Sam Bankman fried and his Alameda crew of uh, misfit clowns for a little while until they, they fucked even, even that up. Um, you know, I don't know, man. It's, it, VAR is so important. VAR is so important. Just so, you know, to anyone who's listening right now, uh, stay in the trade. Don't, don't get thrown off the mechanical bull. The one tweet
0: that I sent out this week that kind of, it made me laugh, but it 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 was almost it was almost concerning to see. So I I think I'm gonna write a tweet thread about this just because of how, how concerning it was to me. So I put out a joke tweet about how you need 20 million dollars to retire, and a non-trivial amount of people responded to that, and they go, "Yeah, I agree with you," and that's just completely insane. Uh, Isn't it in bananas? My, in my you know you, you don't. It's really about your lifestyle. And there are so many people that live happy, good, successful, productive lives, never making more than you know 100k a year, never making more than even like 75k a year, um, and that's you know, I, I think I think a little bit of crypto is escapism to people. It's this is this is my lottery ticket to financial success, but that is a very dangerous mindset because if if you sit there, like let's say you have 250k and you sit there and you go, I need 20 million i need 20 million that you're going to make bad decisions you're just naturally going to make very bad decisions because you're going to do risky things to get to that number that you think you really need what you should really i think people just have to really understand look it's not at the end of the day it's not about the money um not to get philosophical but i've i've made many decisions in my life uh that optimized away for money actually uh you know optimized for learning optimized for happiness optimized for health uh and I'm, you know, if if I had three times as much money as it did right now, if I had chosen a different path, I don't think I would be happier.
1: That's a really important thing to mention. And also just taking it back to market theory for a second, you know, pretty much the seminal book of finance that most people read, you know, I guess you could say there are a few. There's Liars Poker by Michael Lewis, but you know, one of the one of the big ones is reminisces of a stock operator. Everybody reads that book and Uh, You know, was written by a stock trader back, uh, you know, hundred years ago on on the whatever the the stock trading pit or floor in New York was was called back then. I forget. Anyway, he 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 shares this anecdote where he says, you know, I saw this really nice fur coat and I wanted it, and I looked at the price and I said, okay, I'm going to go to work the next day and put on trades that'll make me enough money to buy this coat. And then what happens is just a series of of You know just one horrendous trade after another and he loses pretty much all of his money and the lesson there is if you if you target a certain p and l and trade to make a certain amount of money like if you're trading to make a coat or buy something a house an island whatever it is that you think you need a lifestyle you're gonna lose trade what the market gives you don't don't trade like some aspirational like uh capitalistic outcome in, in your personal life. And equally, what I would add a, sort of a corollary to that theorem that somebody taught me earlier in my career and has, has made me a much better trader as a result of it is if you trade to not lose money, you'll just lose money. So much like you can't focus on trying to make a certain amount of money to buy something with your day-to-day trades. You focus on the market, not on, on what you want to buy. Equally, you can't be so scared of losing money that you focus on trading to avoid losses. Like you're, you're trading to make money, not to lose money. So you have to take what the market gives you, keep your eye on the ball, and not be so afraid of losses that that's what you focus on. So it's really It really involves a lot of discipline.
0: And I think I think once once a month in this market, there's there comes a trade where you look at it and you go, "This is so obvious," and then you take it and you size you size it correctly. You you never want to you never want to size it where you can where you can blow yourself up. And the reality is that a lot of people want those quick hits, they want those quick wins because they see everybody else getting them. And sometimes you can, right? Sometimes you, you find a dog with hat and you put in a thousand dollars and it turns into two hundred thousand. But those opportunities don't come along very often. You can't force those opportunities. A lot of people see that and they go, "I really want to find the next one." Sometimes there is no next one.
1: Yeah, and if you'd go try to hundred x your 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 two hundred k that you just made on Dog Whiff Hat uh, on the next thing, you'll probably fail, right? Like like you said, you can't you can't make money out of thin air. So I guess one other thing, Warren Buffett had this great quote. He said. Um, most people want to get rich quick uh, and people just can't get their heads around getting rich slow. It's really right, right? Like you, uh, you know, you kind of have to, you kind of have to be comfortable, like making incremental gains sometimes if there's not a huge swing to take uh, and you can't always just get rich quick. But, you know, to your point about what it takes to live in, you know, to retire, if your goal is to trade crypto until you can have, you know, 20, 30, 40 million dollars, and then retire with you know one to two million dollars a year of expenses, living la dolce vita in like New York or Paris or something. Like, yeah, maybe that's how much it takes. But like, I, I I don't think crypto should be anybody's ticket to that, or certainly not anybody who's trying to actually get it right, as opposed to you know people who are just playing the lottery.
0: Yeah, I I also think that you you just need to understand what actually makes you happy, right? Does what 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 makes you happy? Is it? is it playing is it playing the game is it winning the game is it is it the money is it what it affords you and then at a certain point just recognize that everybody's on a hedonistic treadmill but it's actually quite easy to step off you just have to have perspective on it um right so you know i know i know for myself for example i could keep going until i can buy 747 do i want to i mean
1: honestly no i'd rather wake up in the morning seven forty sevens are pretty cheap now. I saw one at Burning Man. And yeah. you know, how much? How much? How much do they go for? Seven eighty seven. That's what. That's what you want. Said the Dreamliner. Yeah, exactly. It's such with a nice plan. Cathedral windows.
0: Uh, do you know that they? Um... Per, personal. But anyway, what I was gonna. You know, I was gonna say something really profound, Jonah. Until you cut me off. But that's... <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> Nine hundred million private Boeing seven eighty seven Dreamliner. Wow. Um. Yeah, that's maybe 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 too expensive. But what I was gonna say is you know I'd prefer to I prefer to have my health. I'd prefer to have my happiness because I I think that you know some some levels of success they require sacrifice. I mean you know that level of success requires a tremendous amount of sacrifice. you basically need to make your life entirely about your work uh, you need to be obsessively focused and these are all admirable qualities but they come with drawbacks and I think you need you need to get older you need to be around these people you, you know which I have been and that teaches you a lot about, what you want, what what you want your life to look like, and what you can what you can be happy with, there are people out there that can be happy with five million. There are people out there that can be happy with one. There are people out there that won't be happy with twenty. Um, but you have to make sure it's really you. It's not you know what your society is telling you, or what people around you are telling you, or you know what you were, you know what 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 your original what your original dream was versus versus what reality versus what reality is. And so I guess you know I, I see this I see this over over and over and over and over. Um, there are people out there that spend like 14 hours a day in front of their computer like digging for things digging for things in crypto at the expense of their health at the expense of their relationships at the expense of their life and I don't necessarily think that's a great wonderful trade-off it can be um, you know if that's really 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 what you want Um, but I think it's you know it's, it's it's worthwhile having that perspective that it doesn't it doesn't have to be that way and by the way I also think you can be successful in crypto working like like if you do this like three to four hours a day but you just actually focus like you you just you, you just do what you need to do instead of spending like eight hours talking to people in telegram about like nonsense or you, or you uh you build a process like or you the, yeah you, you build a process I mean like build a my, my like I, I think I think you could be ridiculously successful with the right with the right with the right alerts with the right watch lists with the right analytics tools you probably can spend three or four hours a day on this and be in the
1: top one percent of traders I genuinely think that I agree. I mean, I think ultimately, if your passion is trading crypto because you're interested in the market and it it gives you that little intellectual tingle, then it's definitely worth spending a lot of time on. If you're like, well, this is the amount of money I want to have. It's more than I have now. And crypto seems to be the thing that could go up the most. So it's probably my ticket. You know, I wouldn't necessarily recommend aping too much of your net worth into crypto other than maybe Bitcoin um yeah. and just and just have it in the background i
0: mean bitcoin's you know it, it depends on your size right bitcoin's probably not going to get you anywhere um
1: if you really want to make it big like uh if you want to take yourself into a new category maybe but like i i do think that in the next five years bitcoin will 5x from here
0: probably not going to change that you know i think people you know let's say you have five grand right what are you gonna what are you gonna put your money in probably probably gonna put your money in uh you're, you're probably just going to bet on a bull market, and you're probably just going to put your money in things like you know the, the AI coins or uh, Bitcoin Beta or Ordi's, or Ordi's better odds better, than Double Zero, uh, way better, really way way yeah. better odds than Double Zero. I mean that that's a beauty. That's a beauty. This 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 crypto this crypto thing. I take your point. I take your point. It's a really good. By the way, I really like that analogy um, with, the, with the fur coat. That's story. The story with the fur coat. It's so true. Like anytime you have a goal in mind for your trading what it forces you to do is it forces you to create opportunities where there might not be because in your mind you're thinking you're thinking to yourself well i need i want to hit this target what is there that can help me get to this target and the right answer might be there's nothing right now but when you're in the mindset of looking for what will get me to that target you you find things right it's like when you know humans look around and they see faces and things, right? So if you're a trader, you will find a trade if you're looking for it.
1: Yes, <laughs> right. Like so, this is here, what happens? Here's a little. Here's a little systematic pearl of wisdom, like a nice rule of thumb to to follow. So the one instance, the one exception to the fur coat rule, where you can actually target a certain amount of PL is when you have a back-tested strategy, right? You can say like, all right, well, this thing seems to consistently work over time. Let me dial up the risk to try and make X in a year. And so here's the type of drawdown. This is the rule of thumb. This, here's the type of drawdown you should expect if you're if you're doing that sort of trading, that sort of systematic trading. So let's say that you're trying to make $1 million in a year with your systematic strategy, and it has a back-tested sharp of 2.0. So your target PL is one million. Uh, you, you geared your risk until your target PL is one million, and your back-tested sharp is 2.0. So if if your sharp, if let's say your sharp continues to be two as you trade, let's just say that that's that's the sharp of your systematic portfolio. Um, the largest sort, a one standard deviation peak to trough drawdown in your year to to come. Is going to be your target PL divided by your sharp. So in this case, 1 million divided by 2.0. So you should expect sometime over the year to draw down from whatever PL number you're at down 500 grand. That's like a one standard deviation PL drawdown. And so I sort of think like if you're actually gonna try to go for the fur coat, um, which you probably shouldn't do anyway, you had better have rigorously back tested your trading process, adhere to it and be super stone cold sober and mathematical about how much money you might see yourself losing at any at any given point during the year. So again for a million, you know, to target P L divided by sharp. And to me that's like a really helpful way to kind of keep your head uh screwed on right when you're losing money and not do stupid shit.
0: Wow, what a what a sober and thoughtful note to end
1: on, Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> what we we started with the froth, so obviously got no, we got
0: we got we got to reel it in um you know as as always it was a pleasure uh a, ple- a pleasure chatting you, with you. We, we we went in we went in some good circles this time yes Except- we did so we'll uh we'll see you next time hopefully uh actually i guess um that's gonna be new year's so we, we might we might push it until the new year so this might be the last podcast for the new year but you know uh we'll we'll, we'll see we'll see we'll see you guys soon and we'll keep uh we'll keep bothering everybody on twitter keep pissing people
1: off and if you're upset or angry or you're feeling kind of bummed out this holiday season just tweet some angry shit at Abby. he takes it really well just troll him yeah I'm, I'm i'm better at handling trolls than jonah yeah i can't take it
0: <laughs> i suck not, not none of this is investment advice it will never be investment advice i'm bad at investing um nobody should listen thank you Same, Ditto. love you guys see
1: you next take time care. happy new year